Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. And with me, as always, a group of gentlemen who can we can confidently say have won the same number of championships as Chris Paul. First off, we got DJ Mark. What's up? We got a man who's won the same number of championships as James Harden, Kid Presentable. How you doing? And fuck Chris Paul one more time. We got a man here who's also won the same number of championships as Chris Paul, Lavender Gooms. Uh, that is incorrect. You don't know about my NBA 2K days, man. I do know about your NBA 2K. You're not good. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> enough about this guy to know if Bobby's burning him or us. So I'm just like, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Um, <laughs> thank you guys all for joining us on the podcast this week. Um, we're going to talk about a championship fight where the champion was winning about seven minutes. And then she got dumped. Right on her top of her head, or the side of her head, and then she wasn't champion anymore. Um, gonna talk about the co-main event, which at this point I've already forgot what it was. Oh yeah, man broke his leg. Not great. We're gonna talk about Jose Aldo losing to an Aussie in a fight where we, at the end, we thought, is that Aussie getting a title shot? No, he's not, because breaking news to lead off the podcast. Um, we got the champion, Max Blessed Holloway, will be defending his championship against Frankie the Answer Edgar at UFC 240. July 27th in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I've heard Edmonton is lovely in July. Um, Mike, Frankie Edgar hadn't fought anybody in like a year. Um, gonna get that title shot over, uh, the, oh, I forgot, Volkanovsky. Sorry, I forgot to say his name. Volkanovsky, who had a really a great performance against Aldo this past weekend. Um, what are your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, you know, for the actual fight itself, it's i'm excited for the fight itself uh when it actually comes uh whenever it is i forgot when you said it was already but for the actual fight itself i'm excited for it. it's gonna be an entertaining affair uh frankie edgar and max holloway they never disappoint when it comes to their ringside action i'm not gonna lie if um the actual build-up for the fight isn't gonna be a little muted for me you know frankie edgar he's Coming off just a uh, you know one fight winning streak, can't really call that a winning streak, but you know he beat Cub Swanson in in his last fight. Um, it wasn't in a very decisive fashion, and yeah, you know you think well why not give it a Volkanovski? You know he's the the hot prospect, and he's looked very good in the UFC in his last few fights. Um, and Max he Holloway, guy, he beat a guy Frankie couldn't beat twice, and and you know. Max Holloway is coming off a loss as well. Sure, it was at 155, but it's still a loss. So when it comes to the heat that's coming into this particular fight, there's not very much of it. I'm sure in the next few months I'll be able to you know, work myself up to really caring about this fight. Um, but for right now, you know, yeah, I'll look forward to it when it's here. Um, Steph, you, um, you said what basically what we were saying uh, when we were watching the fight on Saturday, which was you beat you beat Jose Aldo, you get a title shot. Um, I think yeah, even I, how, I, I, I don't. Good. Finish I was gonna question. say. Well, I mean, you go. In, I mean, I was gonna say. I think given that this fight's happening in July and we're already we're already in May, I think it's probably and given how Max is a pretty um, active champion, I think it's probably appropriate that Volkanovski not fight anybody personally and wait for a title shot after this. What do you think? Um, I'm good with that because honestly, he should be ahead of Frankie. Um, injuries happen all the time, particularly with these guys. Uh, if history dictates, um, come this date, we're gonna get an interim title between Frankie Edgar and Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, you know, Max, I, I, I don't know the number, but he's pulled out of quite a number of fights due for injury or one reason or another. As active as he is, he is a bit injury prone. Um, while I was a little kind of, you know, like lukewarm on this fight, uh, frankly, I, you know, uh, no pun intended, but I don't think Frankie has anything for Max. Um, 
So it's like not interesting to me. He's slower to the punch. He doesn't really pack the power to punish Max the way a Dustin Poirier did. Um, and Max has tremendous takedown defense. Like, so I really can't see Frankie doing that. It's just not a compelling matchup. Volkanovski, is he undefeated? He's definitely on a big he's win on, streak. He's on a ridiculous win streak. I don't think he's, let me check. I believe he's on like an 18. I think he was one of those guys who lost like his first fight. There's uh, really me... no good argument for Frankie to be ahead of him in line as far as I'm concerned. Um, I Otherwise, then, you know, it wasn't a, a particularly eventful fight, but he shut down a guy that no one has ever purely shut down in that manner. You know, he got lit up, uh, Holloway lit him up to be certain, but no one just kind of like cleanly decisions Aldo like that where it's not even a question when it goes to the scorecards. So, um, yeah, I'm all good for him waiting. It paid off for Stipe, right? You never know what's going to happen in terms of injuries, illnesses, uh, what have you. There's no reason for him to put his contendership on the line. Yeah, uh, Marcus, we might as well talk about this fight first. Um, Alexander Volkanovsky, somebody that I was touting but not touting enough to fucking pick in this fight. None of us did, quite frankly, I don't think. Um, because, quite frankly, Jose Aldo has not looked... Jose Aldo, quite frankly, three-round Jose Aldo has looked like a beast out there. Um, just absolutely wrecking uh, Renato Moicano. Um, knocked out Jeremy Stevens before that. It just, um, the comparison I saw from a lot of people was Jose Aldo kind of looked like Tyrone Woodley did in the Usman fight, which was he just couldn't get anything off. Uh, what do you think of his performance? Yeah, no, and uh, apparently he stated as much after the fight. And, and it was weird to see because Jose Aldo has really kind of taken a turn in his last couple of fights, getting a lot more aggressive, really going after the finishes and not just trying to win points and win rounds and win decisions, which was never really his best suit. He was always best as a guy going after it, trying to get the kill shot. And his last two fights, those materialized for him, right? He had fantastic finishes. It seemed like this was the Jose Aldo of the WEC days where this dude is just a maniac going after the finishes. And I expected that Jose to come out against Alexander and Alexander just created a lot of problems for Jose and he never really got in the rhythm. Um, he was able to land some strikes himself, but you know, as the fight wore on Alexander's pace just continued to be at a very, you know, high output of punches and kicks and Jose Aldo just slowly drowned in it. And we, and, and like Stefan was alluding to, we never really seen that with Jose Aldo, um, you can look at the Holloway fights, but I think the difference in those fights was he was getting drowned in those fights too, but Max was also putting a beating on him. He was taking a lot of damage in those fights. I don't think he took a ton of damage in this Alexander fight. He just kind of, he couldn't keep up. You know, he kind of got drowned out in the, in the pace and it's okay if you're not going to output as much as your opponent. You just have to make that up with damage. And that's something that Jose Aldo was not able to do in this fight. You know, he wasn't able to output as much as Alexander. He wasn't able to hurt. He Alexander was getting out leg kicked. Else. He was getting out leg kicked, and you know, I, and I think it was a lot of just Alexander controlling the outside and not letting Jose dictate the pacing of the fight and allowing him to, you know, just control when he's going to be on the offensive, when he's going to be on the defensive. He kind of just put Aldo on the defensive, and he was basically backpedaling most of this fight. So it was a really unfortunate performance from Jose Aldo because we've seen him be so aggressive, and we've seen a lot of success with that style. And he just wasn't able to put that on. Um, for me, this was a huge coming out party for Alexander. Um, it wasn't as impressive as the Chaz Mendez fight, right? He wasn't able to finish the guy here. But we're looking at a much higher caliber fighter than we are at Chad Mendez. And I think, too, I think a little bit what kind of turned it down a little bit for us, too, was he did beat Chad Mendez. He, he, he finished him. That's super impressive. I think the fact that Chad kind of exited the game after that kind of made it See, it, it took a little bit of luster off that fight because it kind of makes you think like, well, maybe Chad's head really wasn't in the game. He wasn't focused on this guy who ultimately what we were talking about last week didn't really carry much name value. So it's kind of hard to get up for a fight when you don't know the guy. But dude's 19 and one. He's a fucking killer. And he just has a bad performance. He hangs it up. You know, makes that win not look as spectacular as if it was Chad fucking ready to go for a title shot. Um, yeah. yeah. Can't get can't take it away. I mean, big win, game. man. You get a big man. Biggest he absolutely easily. I mean, I, when the fight started, I said, man, it's probably better for this division for this kid to win. New blood. Which, yeah, new blood. Um, it's talking about the co-main event. We're going to work our way up to the main event. Um, man, I okay, I'm going to say this. And I think people who listen to this podcast probably know this. is um, The affinity pretty much all of us have for Anderson Silva. Um, if nothing else, the man has won us money. But also, we've been lucky enough to see him fight live a few times. And really, it's one of those things that, like, Checking his name off the list was great. Marcus, I think I've seen him seen him fight like four times, honestly. Just some crazy luck right there. I 
am not taking pleasure in watching Anderson go out there. And I, I didn't think he was necessarily losing this one all that much, to be honest. I mean, I don't think Cannonier did anything, really. I mean, he kicked him in the leg and his leg fucking... I mean, if you didn't see the fight, Anderson got kicked in the knee and I guess his knee had popped a few times during training camp, which at age 44 means he probably shouldn't be in this fucking fight. But Anderson went down howling in pain, which is... I. He's 44. Like, I know, like, I, he doesn't need the money. Okay, I get it. And I get that he does this just because, like, he's a martial artist and he likes testing himself. And I'm sure he gets almost, like, high off the fact that he's just a god, really. Especially in Brazil. But, I mean, he's, he's an old man. I don't know. I just, I mean, Steph, I know I'm just kind of talking saying the same thing five times over again. But I know if they don't give him a fight, he's going to go fight in Bellator or something. But it's just, it's, I'm, at this point... There's nothing left for that he like they they really can't book him with anybody that I'd be like I definitely need to see that like we talked about maybe Himber's Shogun which would just probably be sad to watch at this point but well, I don't know what we're doing anymore and quite frankly if his knee tore we're probably not gonna see him for a year and a half anyway but what do you think um retire like I don't have any more breakdown than that like our breakdown going into this fight like you hear Lump whining she she's also over it she's like what are you doing man like. How much more does your legacy need to be tarnished? Um, what more does he need to do? I, I real, I mean, there's obviously something left in him that wants to keep going. But as a fan of him personally, like I don't need to see any more. Like, there's not much left for him to give in the sport. I mean, I need Dana White to have that talk he had with Chuck Liddell. And I know we're not seeing Anderson get knocked out. And I know he's only got knocked out really the one time. I mean, but I've only we've only seen so many fights end due to leg injury. And two of them are him. Um, Mike, what do you think? You know, I felt really bad for Anderson. You know, he was in front of his home, you know, his home country. And yeah, he, he looked old in the fight. And there was also a combination of Jen, Jared Cannonier. Looks like he's he, he's got a, a future in this division. I mean, the dude looked like a killer. And I don't know if he knew Henderson Silva had a leg injury or not, but he was for sure, you know, targeting his legs. He hit a lot of leg kicks during the fight. And I think there comes a point that when you're 44 years old and, you know, your name isn't Randy Couture, it's that's normally a good time for you to hang him up. You know, if you're having nagging leg injuries, you know, during training camp that uh, while Jared Cannonier got a, a few good ones in during the fight. Um, the one that he went down on, it wasn't exactly very hard. I mean, it was on the inside knee, but it didn't look like it was anything too special. And I think the UFC is starting to do Anderson a, a bit of a dis disservice, not nearly as bad as they've done with BJ Penn, where they're matching them up against freaking killers. I mean, they had them up had him up against Cannoneer this fight and the fight before that they have they had him up against the now you know interim middleweight champion man, I mean, man that's, what that's you, not what we want to see from Anderson well what do we want to see, see Anderson style on lesser dudes there that doesn't exist anymore man like what you might as well get something out of this at this point they're just like you he's reached a point in his career where like we gotta like maybe somebody beats him and like we can at least say oh he beat Anderson Silva like I don't know what value. I mean, I guess like they put his name on the fucking poster. More people show up in Brazil, right? That's what we're doing. But if you're going to be trotting out a 44 year old onto the poster, shouldn't you, shouldn't your thought process be, well, if he can win, a, if he can win a fight and a few more fights, we can use him even more. You know, if you just want to be really cynical. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I just, yeah. It was just a bummer I, I to watch. Think, I think really what they were trying to do, and this is kind of my take going into it. I mean, I don't think you should just sleep on Cannoneer, but this kind of was a little test run to see, like, if this dude has anything left. I mean, Cannoneer is not a slouch by any standard, but, you know, this is a guy that used to be heavyweight, has lost a bunch of weight, which is fucking good on him, man. If you saw him at heavyweight, he was kind of a little sloppy, so he's really turned his life around. Um, really getting into shape here, but he's just—he's not a world beater. But I mean, when you look at the guys Anderson was facing, like like Mike mentioned, um, Israel, DC, Bisbing, these are all guys that hold gold or did hold gold. 
Um, and I think, you know, Cannoneer was an easier opponent, more of the in the realm of the Derek Brunsons of the world. But it's just the guy's 44. Um, his body obviously can't take the hard regiment of training. And and like Stefan said, we just don't need to see it anymore. He 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 gave us all he had to give, and we don't really need to see him sacrifice his mental uh, faculties to entertain us, right? He, he's done more than enough to entertain. It's time to ride off in the sunset. Um, and, you know, and I think this is a good way to do it, right? He didn't, he, his noggin didn't get bounced off the, the canvas, right? It's a leg injury. Hopefully he heals and he could still, you know, walk comfortably and all that good stuff. But um, I, I think it's time to hang, hang it up. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. I mean, we're on fucking Tito run number four now with Combate Americas. Nobody fucking retires in this <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, let's <laughs> I mean, talk... talk about BJ, too, but... Uh, I, I don't want to talk about BJ Penn anymore. Um, let's talk about what the most relevant thing that happened last night. I mean, on Saturday night, which was... Rose Nama Yunus fought Jessica Andrade. The fight lasted two rounds. Two uh, One round lasted seven minutes and 58 seconds, in which Rose was winning... <laughs> Seven minutes and 53 seconds, I'd say. Marcus, um, I, before we talk about the ending, please just go through how Rose is striking. I mean, she's getting hit a little bit too much, probably a little bit there, but goddamn, offensively? Woo! No, she Amazing. Had her, yeah, she had a really great performance, and, you know, Jessica definitely threw up some things we knew she would that Rose would have to combat, and that's really the strength in the clinch, I think, was probably the thing that she had the... That and the low kicks were probably the things that she struggled with the most in this fight. But in free range, uh, you know, stand up, she was basically just picking apart Jessica. She had a fantastic jab. She had a great right straight lead that uh, really blew up uh, Jessica's left eye. She had a nasty cut after the first round right above her eye that it wasn't a bad spot. That That's a cut that if you work enough and you get really get it flowing, that's the blood that's going to go straight into the eye. And, that, and that's the kind of cut that gets fight stopped. You know, luckily her corner was able to seal it up uh, and got her out there in the second round. And the second round, Rose really just, um, you know, kept dictating the fight on the outside. And Jessica's answer was really the low kicks. Rose didn't have a lot of responses to those. She was eating them fairly regularly. And that's kind of seemed how the fight was going to play out. Midway through the second round, it definitely seemed like standing. Rose is getting the better of these exchanges. She's a lot crisper on her feet. She's lighter on her feet. Um, and Jessica's offense standing up was to utilize the leg kicks, which was really working for her. And the leg kicks were working because she had a really tough time dictating the pace against Rose. She had a hard time getting in because Rose was uh, dominating the fight with the jab and the right straight. She had a hard time getting in the pocket and having Rose sit in the pocket with her. Um, so she she spent a lot of time of the fight bull rushing, you know, coming at Rose straight ahead, throwing punches, and Rose very skillfully backed up as much as she could until the cage was starting to cut her off, and then she would exit out the left side, and uh, she was able to negate a lot of those bull rushes and even counter off them. She did a masterful job in the first round, backing up and throwing left hooks to counter these bull rushes that Jessica was throwing at her. Um, so really, because Jessica couldn't get in range, the low kicks were a good option for her. She was eating her apart. And the other part where she had some success was inside the clinch, she was able to get high crotch single legs on Rose uh, a couple times in the first and ultimately in the second to finish the fight with a big slam. And Rose's defense uh, to that high crotch single leg was to wrap up a Kimura. And it worked well in the first round. You know, she was able to negate one of the slams because she held onto the Kimura and she kind of got her uh, Jessica tangled up. So she wasn't able to really slam her down good. And the one time Jessica was able to kind of get her to the ground, um, Rose used that Kimura to try to set up an arm bar and work off submissions um, off her back. And ultimately, what we saw in the second round is when they got in a similar position, Rose decided, okay, this worked in the first round. I was able to negate a slam. I was able to work a submission off it. So I'm going to hold on to this Kimura, which ultimately led to her downfall. Um, if you look at some of the other fights, and I think DC is is has a similar body type kind of to Jessica, where he's kind of shorter, stockier. He has great success, especially on taller opponents, getting high crotch single lifts into these big slams. And what you'll notice, the person that gets slammed is they kind of have to let it happen. At a certain point, when the dude has lifted you or the, or the, or the extremely strong female has lifted you over their head, holding on to that Kimura can kind of compromise you and your ability to land safely off the throw. Now, Rose held on to that Kimura thinking that she could use it to stop Jessica from throwing her. Ultimately, did not stop Jessica. She kind of slammed her down onto the ground 
basically slammed her right onto her head, which basically knocked Rose out, and uh, she was not able to gain her facilities fast enough for uh, to stop uh, Jessica from advancing, throwing some punches, and getting the referee to, to wave off the fight. So it was a great, you know, Jessica wasn't having a lot of success in a lot of the areas that she usually does pretty good in, especially when it comes to stranding and bull rushing these girls. She was having a hard time negating that range. And the few things she was doing well with the low kicks, and when she was able to get in the clinch, she was really able to kind of muscle Rose and especially get in that high crotch uh, single leg. And she went to it again. And, um, you know, Rose threw up some defenses originally and ultimately kind of led to her um, uh, her fall here. Um, it is a tough thing. I, I think when you're getting in that position where someone's about to throw a high sing a high single leg high crotch slam, it's it's counterintuitive to be like, okay, I have to roll with this slam now so I can land correctly on my back and, and mitigate some of the damage I'm about to take. Um, and that's ultimately what Rose had to do. She was in a position where to hold on to the arm puts her in more risk of of getting landing awkwardly, which she did in this case. And um, it's not it, it's something that you. It's really hard to teach that, right? I don't think a lot of gyms are doing, this is how, when you're about to get slammed, what you need to do to negate injury. I don't think it's something that a lot of gyms would practice because it's extremely dangerous, right? I think if you get a mat set up, like a big pad, and you're like, okay, we're going to do how to fall correctly on a high crotch sing singles, is just probably something a lot of camps don't run through um, because it doesn't come up a lot. You know, I don't think you find yourself in that position too, too often. Um, but it is, unfortunately, what Rose found her in. And um, it, it cost her the fight this time. And I think what's really disheartening about it, not just because, one, I like Rose a lot, and I wanted to see her succeed here. It's just that she was doing so well. I think if this fight was to play out, you, you never know. And this is what makes fighting so exciting, especially MMA, is just that you never know what's going to happen in these fights. And you can have a fighter who is, you know, on all tents and purposes, is just getting outpointed in most of the areas, but they can pull something out. And that's what makes this fight so exciting. sport so exciting. Do you know, Marcus, do you know who wasn't upset with the result of the fight? It seemed like Rose wasn't upset. Rose. I mean, um, and I wouldn't expect her to because she's been so – I mean, it's one of the reasons why we all like her as a personality. She's so calm, cool, and collected that, you know, I think other fighters would have been extremely heartbroken to have performed so well and have been dictating and dominating the fight as well as Rose was. And to, to see it kind of, you know, get ripped from your hands because – of, I mean, I don't want to call it fluky, but it was kind of a freak accident. And, the, and these things happen. I mean, when you go up for slams, it's not even like a freak accident anymore. This is a likely outcome if you aren't properly prepared to land correctly when you're about to get thrown. Um, you can land wrongly. And we've seen this happen all time. There's been so many fights where guys get slammed and they... It's not because they, you know, they don't land quite right and they bust up a shoulder or get slammed on their head or... Like Shogun and, and Mark Coleman, they, they put an arm out to post for the slam and the arm end up, ends up breaking. When you're doing a high angle slam like Jessica was able to do on Rose, um, if you don't fall correctly, the percentage that you're going to risk injury not falling, uh, you know, in the right order, um, just skyrockets. And it's just, it's just heartbreaking because, you know, Rose was doing so well. She was doing everything she needed to do to win this fight, except in this one instance. And hey, hats off to Jessica, though. She didn't give yeah. up. She's getting pieced up. She's getting beat up. And she found an opportunity and made the most of it. And at the end of the day, like, I love Jessica Andrade. She's a great champion. She's a great story as well. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where she goes uh, from here. But ultimately, um, they're I never going to book her on, another, on a card that's not in Brazil. This is the UFC. Maybe this not. Gonna, uh, hang out in Brazil. It was a big win for her. Mike, um... Rose went out there, looked great, lost, said it was a big relief off, uh, relief, uh, got uh, some pressure off her shoulders, talked about maybe retiring when it was, oh, when she was done, uh, when uh, later on she said maybe she was done. Um, I don't know, man. What'd you think? I mean, I, it was a rough ending. Like, I thought she was, like, the way she landed and they cut away, it was one of those things where, like, I needed the UFC to, like, show me her sooner because I'm like, did she just break her neck? Because they weren't showing anything. Um, what do you think overall? You know, and where do you think we go from here with Rose? Yeah, I needed the UFC to not show me that slam about five times in succession and not show me if Rose is okay. Uh, was it DC or uh, Cruz that said, "Can you guys show one more time?" I'm like, "No, why? I'm good." <laughs> yeah, so I think one thing that was really scary besides the slam was just how content and at peace rose was um she was speaking like a 
aged fighter who knew that was their last fight going in like well this is the end of the road whatever i'm fine with it. i mean rose is only 25 years old and she hasn't fought in you know a little over a year so i wonder what exactly she's talking about when she says that you know it's been a lot of, this is a big pressure that's off you know off her chest or you know off her mind i'm not exactly sure what I, she i'm gonna think it's because she was champion and everybody was bitching at her for not fighting sooner when she was dealing with all the post bus stuff i think it was that i think if she wasn't the champion no one would have gave a shit if she didn't fight anybody for a year that's what i'm gonna think has something to do with it i mean i guess and i i know people were complaining about that but was it really so much that it should have bothered her that much i'm gonna assume the ufc was giving her shit for not fighting. Ah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, I, I think from here, uh, that Hulk smash aside, that Andrade gave to her, uh, in a weird way, I, as much as I've loved Rose for, you know, the last four or five years, um, I came away from this fight thinking more highly of, of Rose. Um, a part of me did kind of think, even though she had beaten Joanna twice, I didn't know whether that was just that Rose had Joanna's number um, or if she really was a truly elite fighter. And she, outside of Joanna, who beat Jessica Andrade, she's looked the best against Andrade um, since Andrade moved down to 115. It's just that that goddamn freakish size and strength that Andrade has at 115, it's really hard to to counter. So... I hope that Rose keeps fighting. Um, I think with maybe a better game plan where um, she doesn't try to go for, you know, a, a weird arm bar as she's getting thrown to the floor. Um, maybe she, uh, you know, wins the next fight if they were ever to rematch. Um, I hope she doesn't. I hope she doesn't retire. Um, that would be a shame for that division, which, frankly, I don't know how much heat there is behind it. That's Tatiana's belt, and she's coming for it. Just going to put that out there. She's coming for that belt. She's going to take out Nina Ansaroff whenever that shit's happening. I think that's soon. And then she's going to go into Brazil and go Donkey Kong all over Jessica Andraz, and she's going to take the belt back with her. That's just my two cents. Um, so, um, yeah, let's talk about uh, some other news. And let's just say uh, the percentage you guys think that this is actually going to happen. Anthony Showtime Pettis versus Nate Diaz was booked for, I, I don't know what card. I think they said 241. Something in August. Um, basically, when you say, I'm asking for percentage here. 100% means you think it's definitely happening. 0% means, Bobby, why are we even talking about this? Mark, just a percentage. What do you got? I mean... I wanted a hundred percent. Oh fuck! I, mean, I wanted hundred and twenty percent, man. We I was like, I just want to see Nate fight anybody. I don't really care if it's just a stick or a bowl. Like, I just want to work. Um, honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many fights have been booked for Nate recently that have fallen through. Has there been a lot, Bobby? Because I'm, but basically, my heart is is thinking ninety percent. Like this. Well, he almost happen. fought. No, he he's didn't, only been he, booked for one fight, right? He didn't pull out of that fight. No, the UFC tries to make some shit up that they're like about to book him, and then Nate goes, "Fuck y'all! I didn't say anything." Um, and that was that. That wasn't Connor. No, Nate and Dustin was gonna Dustin, happen. That was, Dustin's okay. the one who pulled out. Great too. And then um, they try to give Nate some guy to fight, and Nate's like, "Fuck you." No. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a good chance this is gonna happen. I mean, I really want it. I think it's a, it's a really exciting fight on paper. Just. Even taking the equation out that it's just Nate Diaz and we haven't seen him in like, Bob, how long has it been? Like two years longer than that? We're at UFC 237. It was UFC 202. Oh, so, God. I mean, let's I don't, go <laughs> around like, two years. Maybe, it's going to be, it's, I think it'll be three half, years when he fights. Three Ballpark. years. Jesus. Um, and it's just like, like we're talking, um, or like uh, Mike kind of alluded to with Rose. I mean, she's young. The Diaz brothers are kind of young, but these are kind of their best years. They've, and they squandered a lot of it, whether it's kind of protesting for, uh, more money, which hey, you know, more power to you. The, it kind of worked for Nate, um, but it's, I really want to see. I really want to see them fight more often. Um, so Nate and Pettis, totally for it. And I, the reason what's why your I percentage, it, Marcus? I Give said, me your percentage. I said, I said ninety. I think in ninety. You got ninety. Okay. I think the only way this doesn't happen is if one of those guys gets injured. I don't think it's going to be any contract kind of malarkey. 
Um, and I, and I th- and why I think it's even more real, I think I saw on MMA Fighting, it was um, Pettis' coach. Why am I forgetting that guy's name? Rufus. Uh, Rufus, Rufus was saying that he's going to start taunting <laughs> Anthony. He said, I'm gonna be a, he said I'm going to be a homie for a few months, which I was <laughs> like, like, like the whitest thing Rufus could have said. You're going to verbally barrage your fighter when he's in like a – probably. I mean, honestly, I think training's probably the point where you're at like you're mentally your lowest where you're just like – you have to diet. You're getting. Beat you know up. what? You, I, you if you look up some of the stuff people said about that gym and some of the the lawsuit, I think you get a, you get you get chewed out plenty at Rufus Sport. Yeah, be so, it, I mean, physically or mentally. Yeah, and then the day yeah. I think it's. I mean, I think one. There's just a ton of fun matchups you can make with Nate. I think this is one of many that I would be super. I mean, there is other fights I'd be more excited. I would really love to see him and Gaethje go at it. That'd be so fucking sick. Um, but Pettis in him is also a really in- intriguing fight. So yeah, ninety percent. I'm, I'm hyped. I'm, I'm excited. I'm getting hopes up. Man, my, my Mark really ran with my percentage question and just gave us fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes of analysis. But Mike, what do you got? <laughs> Look, man, you gotta will this shit into existence. So a hundred percent chance that on my birthday I'm gonna get to watch Nate Diaz fight. Ooh, nice. Is Happy it on your birthday, birthday? Mike? Oh, that it is. is. That you want to go? That me. What? No, man. You, I'm trying to save money, man. We get a cheap flight. Come on, let's go. <laughs> no, I mean, flights ain't cheap. That's a jet-propelled mode of transportation. You know what? I, 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 I find you a flight for less than $300. We're going to have a conversation. We'll go to LA. It'll be a good is that, time. Is that conversation going to be, Mike, I'm paying for your flight? I mean, I'll pay for your peanuts. Maybe you want to get a snack on the flight, maybe. You I don't pay, know. You can, you can pay for these nuts. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure Mike's ever heard of Spirit Airlines before, guys. We can get them here. They're just going to strap them to one of the wings. <laughs> um, so Mike, Mike's going 100%. Stefan, man, what do you got, man? These guys are going real positive. I'm looking for Dude, some real, realistic. like, let's go realistic your, here, man. Uh, you got your resident pessimist in the house. Um, I'm going to go 33.33, repeating, of course. Um one of them is very prone to injury and pulling out of fights, and the other is prone to changing with the like the wind. Um, Nate is connected to a lot of people. He's connected to retirement. He's connected to smoking weed. He's connected to a lot of things that preclude him from fighting for one reason or another. Conor McGregor could say he wants Nate Diaz, and Nate Diaz will change ship immediately. Um, a lot of things can happen when it comes to any Diaz brother. I believe it when I see them walking out. I'm gonna, go 50, uh, I'm gonna go fifty. I'm gonna go fifty percent. Oh, sorry, Bob. Uh, has Nate been in the drug testing pool yep. this whole time? Whole time. Oh man, I feel bad for that guy. You know, he just wants to smoke his reef, and he can't. You can you can smoke all the weed you want. Oh, you can't. Okay, never mind. It's no not problem. a competition. There's Nate's been no high for three excuse. years. He's in California too. I mean, man. By the way, I've been trying to buy the goddamn Nia Diaz brothers pre-roll joints for Already fucking met. like a year. I think the company went under. Like I went, I went to you know, I went to my dispensary, talked to Scooby. That's his name. I said Scooby, do you guys have this stuff? He said, No, I don't. I'm like, What the fuck, man? Um, that is, it, it, Bobby, that lasted like one show. Their business ventures aren't long for this world. I mean, we're all not that far from Stockton. We and you've been no, there. no, it is not in Stockton. Oh. I've looked. I checked the dispensaries in Stockton too. All right, map, the Pacific weed maps. I'm really trying. Uh, UFC 241 is coming to you from the Honda Center in Anaheim. Or as my friend likes to call, Anna Crime, California. Um, not just not just Disney over there, folks. Not just Disney. Uh, August seventeenth, uh, young Michael's thirty fourth birthday. Um, main evented by Daniel DC Cormier against Stipe. I don't remember his last name. His nickname Miosic. Um, Anthony Pettis and Nate Diaz. Surprisingly, not the only fight, not the fight on the card where you think is most likely going to get canceled because I'm looking at Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa. And oh boy. come on now. Somebody's come on now. Come on now. Come on now, guys. Oh, um, man, I Mike, just realized my birthday's on a Saturday this year. Looks like I'm my, not going to be watching this card. See, we're going to be at the card. That's why. Um, all right. Um, I don't know what else happened. I do like that we spent way more talking about time talking about this fight that probably won't happen than an actual title fight that got booked. Edgar is four and two in his last six fights. Thank you, Luke Thomas. Um, those two losses were not close. Ortega knocked him out. Aldo beat him, beat his ass for four rounds at least. Um, let's do stuff we like. Um, we gotta pick and then fights. That's it. We gotta pick fights. We gotta pick fights. Yeah, I forgot to pick fights. Sure. They're so bad you can forget about them, but they're still gonna uh, happen. All right, let's go. Um, let's I mean, go with the main event. So the UFC, UFC is gonna be at the Luke. Blue Cross Arena in Rochester, New York. Michael, have you been to Blue Cross Arena? Um, I think the question you should be asked is, 
have I been to Rochester, New York outside of the airport? Oh, that's the only time you went? The time you drove to the airport at 2 a.m.? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, main evented by Kevin Lee and Rafael Dos Anjos in a five-round welterweight fight. Kevin Lee making his welterweight debut. They figured, hey, man, why don't you just fight a lightweight? Um, that's what they're doing. Him and uh, Dos Anjos going to go five rounds here. Um, Stefan, what are the betting lines? Uh, betting line, I is, should say. Yeah, it, it's mostly a coin flip. Uh, Kevin Lee is minus 105 to Dos Anjos is minus 115. Um, okay. Um, I'm a Kevin Lee mark. People know this. I got Kevin Lee. Mark, what do you got? I'm just a mark mark. And I got Kevin Lee too. Stefan? Ooh, I'm tempted to go the other way. I'm not. I'm really not sold on either of these guys. Kevin Lee really burned me in that loss to Iaquinta. Iaquinta. I, I really like him beat, not cutting weight. It gives me he hope. He can't even beat journeyman Donald Cerrone. Come on now. Um, Alejandro. You're disrespecting Alejandro. Sorry. Who did Dos Anjos lose to most recently? Why am I not sold on Usman. him anymore? Usman, Usman. and Covington. He's been, getting, and he's been getting wrestled. I'm thinking but, Kevin Lee's kind of a wrestler. And Kevin Lee kind of get wrestled. Kind of. <laughs> um, Kevin Lee, kind of. <laughs> but apparently, Kevin Lee can get hit. Is what I learned in his fight against. Oh, uh, you can hit. Kev, you can hit. You can hit Kevin Lee. Whatever you want. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's open for business there. Mike, are you gonna go, Kevin Lee? Uh, are you trying to go against the grain? Um, if I have to, I am going for Kevin Lee. Then give me the guy that I've never been sold on and who I did predict bum ass Eddie Alvarez to beat. Give me that guy that I've never had faith in. Poor Eddie Alvarez taking L's. Not, not just overseas, but in this podcast. Um another guy you guys know I love, Neil Magny, taking on Vicente Luque. Um Stefan, I feel I must have missed the news about Vicente Luque being the new Mike Tyson. Because Jesus Christ, these betting betting odds, huh? <laughs> you muted yourself, brother. Oh, sorry, my bad. Um, yeah, I really didn't know who Vincent De Luque is to be that big of a favorite, but um, minus I, I don't believe in Neil Magny, Bobby. He's one of your dudes who I've only ever seen like lose. He's a so journeyman. I, I've never really been on board with Magny. Um. But yeah, Luke is minus five hundred. I'll take that action. Yo, yeah, mine- have you have you seen Vicente Luque's track record? He's eight and two with eight finishes in the what UFC. The My- I feel we should be paying more attention to Vicente Luque. That's I'm that just Mark looking special, at this. This fight will maybe make me remember who this guy is. But off the top of my head, I don't have a face in my. I mind. mean, speaking of remembering the guy, he knocked out. Remember the name, Bilal Muhammad. He knocked out. He knocked out some guy. He knocked out Barbarina. He knocked out Chad LaPriest. He tapped out Lico Price. He beat some guy named Hader Hassan up. He beat a lot of people up. Uh, <laughs> like, Hader Hassan, if I'm right, wasn't didn't he win the uh, ultimate finale for that weird season of tough? No, I think Mike. I thought Michael Graves did. That's the one he lost to. Ah, uh, okay. They got he got into the UFC. He was seven and four when he entered the UFC. He is eight and six now. Yeah, I, I'm, I think we're all taking Vicente Luque, right? I feel we got to pay attention to what's going on here this time. For some I mean, reason, we, I assumed we, that Vicente Luque was like just a dude that just won a bunch of decisions. This guy's apparently yeah. a freaking murderer. Yeah, Marcus. I mean, are we just giving him the kiss of death here? Uh, well, I mean, I I'm very much in the same compartment with Steph. Like, I've never been big on Neil Magny. We had that one guy from that Poser podcast go on here and try to tell me how good Neil Magny is. I'm like, well, shit. If Bobby and this Tuzits are all about Neil Magny, maybe I'm just haven't gotten the train yet. Got on that train for that fight. He fucking lost. I threw him under the bus. Forget you guys. You don't know shit. And really, it's just um. I mean, for me, I like Stefan. I just I just been, like him. That's it. Yeah, I've never been super big on Magny. And I mean, honestly, like before this match, I was like, well, I don't know who the fuck this other guy is. And but looking at his record, I was like, oh, you know, all these fights where we don't give a shit about what's going on. You gotta realize there's got to be a couple guys in there that are just. Steamrolling everybody, and this is one of them. So I'm going to go with him as well. He is how old is this motherfucker? 27 years old. The Silent Assassin. That nickname is appropriate. He's golden. He knows exactly yeah. where he stands. Uh, damn. Um, we are. Yeah, Neil Magny. My favorite thing about him is still that he got tapped out by Damian Maya, and then Damian Maya announced he was having a seminar, and Neil Magny asked if he could go to it, and then Neil Magny showed up. 
And I, maybe, I, like, I liked all of that. <laughs> it was a nice moment. Um, we're not talking about the Antonio Carlos Jr. fight, or as Mark likes to call him. Just Carlos Jr.? <laughs> Carl's Jr.? I call, I, I call him uh, Double Western Bacon Cheeseburger. Mm, he, we're not, um, I didn't even know Megan Anderson was on this car till right now, but we're not talking about that anyway. Um, Charles Oliveira and Nick Lentz, a fight where I am 99% sure this shit's happened before. At least once, if not twice. Um, it's happened once. You would be correct. Once Tw- it's happened twice. It happened before and, and no contest, too. Mm, yeah. You know what? Charles Oliveira is better than Nick Lentz. The betting law better said so. Better say so, Steph. What does it got? <laughs> it is. I gotta find it because it's not at the top. It is. Uh, yeah, Charles Oliveira, uh, minus three sixty five to uh, Nick Lentz's plus three oh five. Charles Oliveira is on a four fight win streak where he's tapped out all four people. Um, he is twenty nine years old, and I don't know if this means he's hitting his fine. His, we're finally getting him in his final form, but. Let me tell you who's not that great is Nick Lentz. And I don't really like Nick Lentz, so I don't, I mean, lean into the fighter bashing here. I hope he gets choked out, and he gets choked out in embarrassing fashion. I got Charles Oliveira. God damn, what the hell did Nick Lentz do to you? He's a right-wing piece of shit. Oh, okay, there it is. I should have guessed that. (laughs) I mean, he's also bored Bobby for many fights of his career. I mean, if you're going to be like that, yeah. If Nick Lentz is winning, it's not fun. All all the boring wrestlers end up being right-wing turds. (laughs) Hey, so what, what are your thoughts on Jack Swagger? Jack Swagger should have let go of that choke sooner, and that, and I'm just happy he didn't kill that random fan well, they got well, to fight him. Particularly, it was the uh, comment he made after the fight where he said, "How he's that, rock hard." N- no, I didn't even know about that one. <laughs> uh, I'll have to go back and hear that one. He said he had a boner. Um, yeah, holding no, on to the choke too long gave him a boner, so we know yeah. what, uh, his. Well, <laughs> yeah. the I was referring to was uh, that he said he would like to be 4-0 by the time that Trump gets reelected. Mm, nice. His whole gimmick was that, man. Well, He's living the gimmick still. I mostly like ah, that, okay. that rock hard comment. You'll, you'll listen to it later, Mike, was that he basically said, I'm rock hard with emotion right now. So I'm like, okay, you were going down one path and you <laughs> did right. He went with the entendre. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yeah, diverted danger. And then and then I think wasn't it right after that ball he said he, he's like, I got a boner. And I was like, okay, you jumped right back in that lane. What the <laughs> fuck are you doing, dude? Yep, that's okay. Does anybody got anybody besides Charles Oliveira here? No. It's about the Bronx for me. Nah, he's got the uh, ground game to punish like wrestlers who are like reliant on grit and toughness. And I think this is the last one we're picking, and it's cause I would just want to talk about her, because I think we should. Uh Aspen Ladd is taking on Sajara Eubanks. Aspen Ladd is 24 years old, seven wins, zero losses, got six finishes. Um, she is fucking people up, man. And the last one she beat up was Tanya Evinger. Sajara Eubanks, last time we saw her fight was she uh, beat Roxanne Modafari, Um after uh, Sajara missed weight. I think she – wasn't she like real indignant about missing weight too? Like it was somehow all of our, uh, fight, all, all of our fault? Also, Bob. Uh, they've actually fought each other already. They yeah, they did. It did not go. Seventeen in the victory, yeah. where uh, Aspen Lad won by unanimous decision. Oh yeah, no, she had to. What happened was Eubanks had to. They had to cancel a fight because she was going to miss bad weight, incredibly poor, uh, badly. I remember is what it was when she was going to fight Valentina. Um, yeah, I don't think Aspen Lad's going to lose this one. Um, I think she's going to beat up Sajara Eubanks. She's going to beat her again, Stefan. Um, honestly, I, I don't really know much about Aspen Ladd. I, I know the name. I, I can't. I haven't really, uh, you know, uh, committed her to memory yet. Um, uh. I'm looking her up, like I don't. I don't remember these guys. I'm sure I saw them. Um, I was a little shocked at the line, just because I think Sajara Eubanks is being a little underestimated here. Um, granted, she has a loss, so maybe it's well deserved. But um, to her credit, uh, being the only one who really watched that season where uh, Nico Montano was. Uh, made the champion of that new division. Um, Eubanks was really coming on strong. I remember watching her in Invicta and not thinking she was much of anything. She was pretty raw. She was pretty sloppy. But uh, in that tough season, she really put it together. She really started getting like her striking on point. And uh, she carries a lot of power. But, um, hey, I can't go against the favorite in this, especially when they do have this uh, history already. But, um, yeah, if, if Eubanks was to come in, you know, beat her up, I wouldn't be shocked by that because she really did get better over the course of that tough season. 
I mean, we got a 24-year-old in this weight class at 135 that is begging for a contender. So maybe we get a couple wins together for her. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not kind of like same boat as Steph. I'm not super familiar with, I mean, with either of these female athletes. But, I mean, I have to go with Espen Ladd. I mean, she won undefeated. Two, she already fought this girl and beat her. So I'm not going to veer from logic too far here. But I'm excited to see this fight. Um, this is definitely one that I'll tune in to watch just because, um, yeah, we have a real contender here in um, Ladd. I'm um, being undefeated at, at seven and zero. Um, yeah, so I think it'll be a good fight. I just I'm not going to waver from history on this one. Um, Stefan, no, Stefan, Mark, Mark. Well, God damn it! Oh, the other one, Mike, Mike. <laughs> You're going to get to me eventually. Yeah, you just kept saying names. Uh, yeah. So I do remember watching Aspen Lad fight. Uh, she was on the undercard of the uh, McGregor and Omega Medal fight, where I think she beat. Uh, what's her name? Um, Tanya Ellis? Ellis? She be Avenger. Avenger. Avenger, yes. Uh, knocked her out in the first round. She looked really good there. Um, and much like you guys just said, I mean, she fought Eubanks already and beat her. So why am I going to change that, you know, that train? Fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, this card is not great. But it's is, is 18th... Is 18th Saturday, I'm assuming? Yep. Is it, if you just happen free. to be home with nothing to do, maybe you put this on in the background. Yeah, it's not free. It costs $5. Hmm? Well, just saying, it's on ESPN Plus. Oh, well, yeah. But we got saying. it, so it's like free to me. Yeah, you already paid for it, so. <laughs> Seems free. After you pay for something, it's all free, baby. Yeah, when you're splitting that ESPN Plus uh, money 12 ways, or not 12, five ways. Um... All right. Um, can we do stuff we like now? I think we can, Bobby. We can do stuff we like. Um, let's go first to Mark. Oh, shit. Well, I don't have a ton. <laughs> um, I'm better than my zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for games this week, uh, there is one game coming up I've uh, been anticipating. Uh, the sequel to Rage, which is a first-person open-world game. The sequel to the original, which came out on 360 and PS3, and I actually enjoyed quite a bit. It is your um, post-apocalyptic open-world shooter, um, and kind of how they're flipping this, the formula on this one is they're trying to use more neon, flashy colors, because back in the 360 days, everyone's like, everything's so brown and gray, and it's so depressing. Why don't we get some more splashes of color? Um, but reviews came out today. Not super great, to be honest. I think on Metacritic, it's sitting around a 72, um, but... Word around the campfire is the shooting mechanics, which id Software, who makes Doom and Wolfenstein, that stuff is super great. Uh, the story is a little lackluster, and I guess the game's kind of short and also repetitive, which isn't super great monikers to have on your game. Um, but for me personally, seven point uh, seventy-two on Metacritic is not deterring me because that's also what uh, Days Gone has, which came out a couple weeks ago, and I've been thoroughly enjoying that game. So, my, I guess my little advice for people out there is just don't don't. Don't let a 70 game deter you if it looks fun to you because you're probably going to have a good time. 70 is not a bad game. It's just a flawed game. And flawed games can still be very fun. So uh, you're saying that a C average is fine? See, that is what people associate with a 70 because we're used to the grading system in elementary school where a 70 is a C and a, a Cs aren't great. They're average. But really what the metric for you know, scoring games is supposed to be how most people use it is that a five is supposed to be an average, not very spectacular game. And a seven is supposed to be a good game, but people are so used to associating 70 with C minus and C minus is not worth your money. And I think that's what a lot of people see, especially when it comes to game reviews is anything that's not an eight, nine, or especially a 10 isn't worthy of your $60 and look at your financial means and where you stand and how much value $60 holds to you. It might be drastically different than what it holds for me, but I am okay spending $60 on a fun, good game. And that's what it looks like Rage 2 is. That's what Days Gone has been for me. So I think a lot of people can read into the scores a little bit too much. I would highly encourage people to read the review and see why they're scoring it the way they're scoring it. Because the things that is really upsetting or is neg negatively impacting the reviewer might not be things you give a shit about, right? Some of the people that don't like Days Gone are like, I don't like zombie in open world games anymore. And I'm giving it a 70 because I don't like this genre of game. Now, if you like open world and zombie games, that criticism doesn't really hold much weight for you. That I mean, there's other issues with Days Gone. It's 
it has a lot of jink to it. There's a lot of rough edges, but there's a lot of fun to be had. And I think Rage 2 is going to fall into that camp as well. There's going to, you know, the story's probably going to be lackluster. The characters aren't going to be great, but running around shooting shit's probably going to be a lot of fun. And if you're kind of into that kind of game, you might have a lot of fun with Rage 2. Um, the one other thing I'll kind of put a little spotlight on. Um, this is a very popular YouTube channel. So Mies, you know, you know, giving him a shout out is not a big thing. But there is a YouTube channel called uh, Funhouse. They do a lot of gameplay videos. Um, it's mostly a bunch of white dudes, but they also have some females, which that's actually how I found them. Uh, Elise Williams, who used to be at Game Trailers, the Game Trailer guys that we're now known as Easy Allies. Um, she left Game Trailers before they got kaput and became Easy Allies. And she went to Funhouse because her husband, uh, James Williams, was already working there. Um, so I kind of was like, oh, you know, I miss Elise. I want to see what she's up to. I'll watch some Funhouse videos here and there. It's just a really fun channel. I mean, I will say a lot of the gaming YouTube personalities that I personally like are what I would consider to be a little bit more wholesome. These guys are a little bit more edgy with this lots of talk about sexual things and of the like, which usually isn't my cup of tea, but it's very fun. They have a great time. Um, and it's just there's and what's cool about finding a very popular YouTube channel that's been going on for years is that there is a shit ton of content to go through. So I can just kind of just look like, oh, what's this video? I'll let me watch it because there's hours and hours of entertainment that I haven't uh, seen yet. I've been enjoying that a lot. So Funhouse, Rage 2, Days Gone. That's my week of stuff I like. Um, I got before I go to Steph here, just real quickly, there was something I did see earlier today that I'm. I haven't decided if the right, the right word for this is excited because it's kind of morbid. So um, it's the 20th anniversary of Owen Hart passing away this month. And I think most wrestling fans remember what ha- like that whole experience. Um, Were you watching it, Bob? When he died? Yeah. No, they didn't air it. Anyway, no, no, Bob. I, I was I, watching it. You're watching the pay per view. You just cut review, and they cut to black. I was like, "What the fuck happened?" Yeah, um, they're like, "Uh, so Owen Hart had a bit of a spill. He's dead." I was like, "Whoa, what?" Yeah. So if people don't remember, Owen Hart um was a excellent wrestler in uh, in the '90s, a little bit in the '80s, also from a famous wrestling family. He was playing a gimmick called the Blue Blazer, which was kind of a corny ass superhero thing. Um, and at the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, they had uh they had him on um. I don't know what it's called. They hooked they hooked him up to something for him Some to be lowered down. Table, zip line, something. something. If anybody's ever seen like Sting from WCW, basically the same shit, you know, they drop him down from <laughs> the rafters. And I guess one of the things, something failed, and Owen fell all the way down and landed either on the turnbuckle or the post mm-hmm. and died pretty much instantly. Um, whole, the implication, everything that's come out of it aside, uh, John Pollock, um, who's a reporter of MMA and mostly wrestling, has got a really good podcast. Uh, the Post Wrestling um, Network is what it's under. And he's been working on an audio documentary for a while now. It's really for the last month he's been working on it. And the name of it is called Owen Hart's Final Day. So he's just talking to people who knew him and people who were there and people ended up covering the story. You know, probably like Mick Foley, Dave Meltzer, stuff like that. And... I'm a big, like, I'd be really coming to, like, a lot of the wrestling history from, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, because before we were the big MMA, I mean, not speaking for Mike here, but the rest of us, before we were the big MMA nerds that we are now, probably more so about six months ago to a year, but before that, wrestling really was what we talked about more than anything else. So, you know, during the wrestling boom of this time, I was consuming any and everything, so the history from this time is really interesting to me. That being said, it was one of those things where he died that it really kind of stuck with me. And it was a really sad, sad time. I mean, him dying and I remember Eddie Guerrero dying were the two that really stuck with me, wrestlers, in terms of passing away. Probably from most fans. So I'm um, interested to see how this will shake out. You can check it out on um, postwrestling.com. It comes out on Monday, the 20th. So about a week from when you're going to listen to this podcast. Um, I'm excited to listen to it. I don't know if saying this is stuff I like, but it's something I'm interested in. So I'm going to take a listen and hopefully it's not behind their paywall or anything. Though if it is, I might, quite frankly, given the effort he put into it, pitch him a couple bucks. So postwrestling.com. It's called Owen Hart's Final Day. Um, Steph. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat where I don't really have a lot to talk about this week. Um, I'm planning to see Detective Pikachu tomorrow. Um, so maybe I'll have a review on that come next week. Uh, yeah, I've heard early good things about it. Um, you know, uh, like I'm not expecting the world, but I'm, I, I hear it's a fun time. So 
Um, I'll have more thoughts on that next week. Um, mostly what I have this week is uh, stuff that I like, comma, love, that's pissing me off, and that's called Game of Thrones. I don't want to go on a whole tangent about that, though, so um, I will say... That, that's next Monday's show, where we get to take in the whole season and give everybody's thoughts on yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to review, Are we even going to review the fights from this weekend? From next weekend, or are we just going to talk about Game of Thrones? We're going to talk about Kevin Lee. That's it. Spoiler <laughs> alert, people. And uh, But, I mean, on, t- on a positive note, um, from Friday through the weekend, there were some Cracker Jack NBA playoff games. Um, the NBA playoffs have been fucking fantastic. Um, Bobby shaded him earlier, but uh, fuck Chris Paul and the Houston Rockets. Fuck Chris Paul! Um, for those of you... You know, as a lifetime Warrior fan, the Warriors have received a ton of hate, a ton of shade ever since Kevin Durant really joined them. Uh, we used to be there when, you know, it was just the Splash Brothers on the come up. It was that the Warriors were kind of the NBA darling. As soon as they signed Kevin Durant, they became, uh, you know, the evil empire. They became the galactic empire. And so we became the big villains of the league. But the one thing I loved was somehow when we played the Houston Rockets, we had public sentiment because everyone really fucking hates Chris Paul and James Harden. They everyone thinks that they're such whiny bitches of NBA players that somehow we became the good guys in the media's eyes again, and that was just amazing to me. Um, you you got to appreciate, by the way, that my, my Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar analogy was fucking on point. It worked. Okay? Out, it worked. Um, <laughs> and meanwhile, the Blazers just came out of a seven-game series with Denver. Uh, their star player, Damian Lillard. He's a local kid from Oakland, so I always got respect for him. Portland has always been a secondary team for me since I went to school up that way. Um, And meanwhile, Kawhi hit a ridiculous four bounce around the rim, touched every side of it game winner uh, to win their seven-game series. Giannis is like a unique like freak of nature in basketball. Um, Playoffs have been really excellent as a basketball fan. it's it's a really great time. The bas who who would have thought the basketball or playoffs without LeBron are so infinitely more compelling when ninety five percent of the media attention isn't on one guy. Mike, what do you got this week? I would agree that I've actually really enjoyed the uh, the playoffs this year. Uh, so good commentary there, stuff. Uh, two things for me this week. Uh, one of them is the new HBO show that's uh, its second episode is premiering today, uh, Chernobyl. Um, I don't think I have to go into much explanation as to what that show it's about. But for those of you who, let's say, grew up, you know, were born in like 1995, uh, Chernobyl, it's a miniseries on HBO that's uh, covering uh, the the nuclear uh, meltdown um, that happened in Chernobyl and everything that came out of that. Re- real, real quick, I I literally went on here and suggested an audio podcast about a man dying 20 years ago and the impact it had on everybody's life. And my and I thought, man, that's going to be the saddest thing anybody suggests. And then Mike said, hold my beer. <laughs> or hold my vodka since, you know, it's Chernobyl. Oh, well played. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed the first episode. Um the best part of the episode that made me chuckle is that they did this thing where um, it's obviously in Russia, but for some reason, everyone speaks English and has a British accent. It's technically into Ukraine. Just saying. Yo, whatever, son. Hmm, right? Ukraine, no, UK. Actually, actually, since considering it was 1986, it was the Soviet Union. So well, that's not Russia either. I'm yo, just whatever, saying. son. All right, all right. Stop nitpicking. Uh, so, I would suggest if you guys uh, like to be depressed and are a fan of radiation poisoning, check out Chernobyl. And besides that, um, one thing that I wanted to shout out last week, but my internet oh, I was- went to complete dog shit. Dude, I was going to do it too this week, and then I'm like... I think we should do it. He's not the one week the kid listened to our podcast. He's not going to listen this week. Don't even tell him we did this. Let's see if he notices. But go well, ahead. We'll see. Well, um, I would assume that Bobby would like to join me in this shout out. A uh, shout out to our boy uh, Salvatore uh, for getting hitched about uh, two weeks ago. Uh, April was apparently wedding season uh, for the It's Some Amazing family. Uh, we had our uh, our beloved colleague Mark get hitched, and literally a week later. Uh, Sal, uh, our friend Sal got hitched. Uh, me and Bobby's friend from uh, from law school. Uh, me and Sal, were, me and Bobby were both in the wedding party, so we each had to get uh, 
dressed up in monkey suits. Uh, I think Bobby for the second time in uh, in as many weeks. Yeah, good times. It was a uh, it was a beautiful ceremony. Um, even more beautiful by the fact that it wasn't a, a full length church ceremony. So we were in and out of there within a half hour. That was the best part of the ceremony. No, the best part about the ceremony was when the, the priest said, "Don't worry about how many kids you're gonna have. Just God will take care of that." And I'm like, "No, nah, man." Fucking birth control should take care of that, but sure, let's not put it in God's hands. Yeah, when he said that, I had to remember that I was literally in front of everybody, so I had to make sure to keep that face just stone faced. Oh, I made a face, and the videographer was pointed right at me. When they look at the wedding video, I'll be in it making a weird ass face. <laughs> Uh, another thing from the actual uh, church ceremony that uh, Bobby told me afterwards that made me laugh was that um, so the way the church was configured, uh, only myself, the best man and the uh, maid of honor could be on the front. No one else could be uh, from the wedding party could be standing up front. So the bridesmaids and the groomsmen, they were in the first uh, rows on each side. And our friend Sal's grandfather was in the second row. And Bobby tells me after the ceremony that throughout the uh, the ceremony that uh, Sal's uh, granddad was just making comments the whole time. You know, as you know, old people are wont to do, you know, that's what they do, you know. And uh, at the very end of the ceremony, when everyone was applauding, um, Sal's granddad just yells out, I never thought that Sal would get married. And uh, what did uh, Sal's future brother-in-law say, uh, Bobby? Can you shut the fuck up for one minute? And that's when I lost it. <laughs> you really said that? That's uh, oh, my God. I couldn't stop laughing. It was the best thing that's ever I happened. I kept waiting for Mike to say, like, his grandpa said something, like, super racist. <laughs> no, I, I like I never met Sal's grandpa before. He's a trip. Well, and, I, for that, and he's like, I never thought he'd get married. Like, well, okay, so uh, Sal last week was on his honeymoon, and he said, hey, I listened to the show. You guys didn't mess with the matches, um message we didn't mention the wedding um so we're mentioning we're mentioning the wedding now and i'm damn sure that motherfucker has listened to any other episodes of this podcast no, see, it was the one episode he thought he'd be on so he's like let me <laughs> yeah and let's, let's mike when do you guys talk about my wedding yeah you know what if our, our friend phil who i know listens to this if phil stooges is off i'm not gonna be happy so let's see if sal ever knows i, mean, I can't hate like I know sure phil listens because I threw him under the bus. I think it was, what was it, last week? And sure enough, first thing on Tuesday, he's like, yo, what are you talking about? I didn't do that. Yeah, exactly. When I blamed you guys, when you blamed him for ruining Avengers for me. But it was, uh, anyway. it was a great weekend. We uh, we met a lot of uh, Sal's uh, now wife, Jen's uh, family, and uh, her wedding party. And uh, they were all great, great women. They were all very fun. I think we all connected. Would you say that's, that's so, Bobby? Yes, shout out to the wedding party. At this point, Mike wants to shout out the entire wedding. Yo, I really but I want it, to. It was, a, it was a great wedding reception as well. It was just motherfucker. Was you sweet. talked about how you wanted this podcast to go faster so you can get done, get ready to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, you got congratulating to shower Sal. You can go a little long. We already got. See, none of them are listening no, to this. Sal, I'm telling you right now because you know he's going to hear about it later. Now he's like, oh yes, make it longer. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was a great time. A hell of a party. A hell of a wedding. Um. I mentioned next week, was just a preview for next week. Like I always tell you guys, we're going to talk a little bit about Game of Thrones. We're going to see if Stefan's blood pressure can spike, um, you know, to critical levels, and then we'll try to calm him down. Um, uh, I mean, this last episode, it, it was pretty much a gut punch. So, like, at this point, at this point, I'm just like, just show me everything and let me be done with this bullshit and move on to the next stage of my life. Let me just know everything I need to be upset about. But I'm, I'm already pretty defeated at this point. Um, and then we're going to preview, we're going to talk about the Kevin Lee Dosanos fight, which I don't know what else we talk about unless like somebody hit some nutty shit in this car. Us. We probably, you know what? We're going to talk about Vicente Luque because God, we should probably should if he wins. Um, and then I'm going to start talking about this card that's happening next week. And I'm going to be, let you guys be honest with me and say, if you even knew this shit was happening, coming to you on June 1st from Stockholm, Sweden, um, Alexander Gustafsson versus Anthony Smith. I kind of forgot. Vulcan. I thought this was longer yeah. down the road. I thought it was like a couple Vulcan months ago. Vulcan Ozdemir, Ilar Latifi, Jimmy Manoa versus other person, Tanya Evinger versus Lena Landsberg, Makwa. You know what? All the Swedes are on this card, okay? All Is the Swedes Gustafson and Tanya Evinger. going to find a way to disappoint the crowd at 4 a.m. their time once more? 
I'm seeing if it's in that big ass arena. Is it in the Ericsson Globe? It's not the 30,000 seat one, but it holds about 16. So yes, a lot of unhappy people. Card's looking a little light uh, too. Like seven fights. I mean, hey, I'm oh, wait, for a lighter oh, wait, wait, card, that, but no, if you scroll down, there's more stuff. I'm not seeing it on Wiki. Uh, Wiki, scroll down to announce bouts on Wiki. <laughs> okay, um, there's a bunch of garbage. Here, yeah, there's a bunch that of garbage. garbage dump I was looking for. Daniel Tamor. I thought it was David Tamor. There's a new. There's another Tamor. There's a lesser Tamor. Jesus. Um, all right, we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Game of Thrones mostly, to be honest. Um, and uh, honestly, that we're also going to preview uh, Double or Nothing because that is the last uh, podcast we do before me and Stefan go to Vegas uh, to watch AEW go out there and uh, see if they're going to be a viable alternative to the WWE. God willing. Um, until then, thank you all for listening so much. Fuck the Rockets. Fuck them, you know, times a thousand. Um, we'll be back next week, as I mentioned. Um, I was... Uh, I forgot my name. I was Doctor Law. Dr. Law. Kid presentable. Kid presentable. Here. <laughs> Lavender Dark. Gooms is here. Lavender Gooms. Yeah. you know what, guys? Bob. It was everyone. This is what happens. This this is what happens. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Peace out. <laughs> See ya. See you guys.